Welcome to the American Countryside Podcast. I'm Andrew McCray, host of the daily syndicated show for over two decades, heard on over 100 radio stations and XM Channel 147. I go on location to meet the people and places that tell the fascinating stories of past and present. And the American Countryside Podcast allows you to hear the full interview with our guests. So I recently saw a friend post on social media asking if they knew anyone who had hiked the Appalachian Trail. They were thinking about making the hike and wanted to find out more. Well, it gave me the inspiration and motivation to put together this podcast with a friend of mine who recently made that trek. Bruce Sweet was retiring from full-time work. Hailing from southern Michigan, the trail was a long-time goal of his. Retiring from work, he had time to make the trek, and his wife, Mickey, who still needed to maintain her career, was able to join him at points for his five-month journey from Georgia to Maine. His story is very interesting, as we talk about the general questions all of us would have about committing to such a hike, but you'll soon find this was about much more than just a very long walk. It was a walk of faith. By the end of the journey, some might have regarded Bruce as an angel, sent to minister to those in need. There's a very strong spiritual component to this story, one that reminds us that our biggest goals in life are often about much more than just what is on the surface. Here's the story of Bruce and his hike of the full Appalachian Trail. Prior to uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail, I had just done oh, five to six day hikes over the years, a number of times, maybe a, once or twice over the course of a summer, but um, never longer uh, than just that five or six day period, and almost always with uh, my wife, Mickey. So how do you go from doing five to six days to getting prepared to do five months and be pretty much on your own? You know, I, I wasn't sure how this was going to unfold when I began. But um, as I went, I realized I just needed to do a whole lot of five- or six-day hikes, uh, one right after the other. And it was interesting how it worked out because that's about the length of time that I would go from resupply to resupply. So once a week, every five, six days, I'd end up in town again uh, to get food for the next five or six days. And so it ended up being a series of uh, these five or six day hikes. <laughs> for five months. Yes, for five months, yes. <laughs> so it, it, walk us through what happens because people have heard of the Appalachian Trail. Maybe they know somebody that's maybe done the whole thing, but usually people will start in Georgia. Is that right? That's correct. Far majority that are going to do a through hike, which um, they refer to a through hike as the the whole trail in a single hiking season. So it, it doesn't matter if it's south to north, north to south, or starting in the middle and heading one direction and then at the end come back to the middle and go the other direction. They refer to that as a flip-flop. So, But the idea of a through hike is doing the whole 2,189 miles in one hiking season. <laughs> so, But um, it, it was a combination of uh, both a a dream and a, um, a calling on my life. Well, you mentioned the, the calling and the trail name. Talk about that for a moment. Well, I really felt that um, this was more than just a transition from employment to retirement. It was a missions trip for me, a, an opportunity for me to go and uh, share uh, Jesus with other people through uh, word and very much through action. So it was... Um, you know, not a, a lot of uh, Jesus this and Jesus that, but going out and loving on people in the name of Jesus. And my trail name, 14, was part of uh, my big picture prayer before I went to the trail and, and uh, throughout the whole five months. It was My prayer was kind of three parts, uh, that the Lord would give me the whole trail, and that consisted of 14 states. 
So the trail goes through 14 states from Georgia to Maine. Uh, second part of my trail, or of my prayer, was that he would be, he, Jesus, would be the talk of the trail. And I didn't see it at the time, but having a name that's a number, uh, over and over and over, when I would meet people, they would ask, what's 14 about? And so I got to tell them a little bit about this love story uh, about this guy named Jesus. <laughs> so it, uh, it really was cool to see how God orchestrated that and gave me different pieces before I even realized it. You mentioned it's common. Everybody kind of has a trail name. Is that right? Yes. As, uh, as through hikers, one of the traditions is to have a trail name. And some will bring a, a name that they would like to go by on the trail. Um, but it's also quite common to get a name from your fellow hikers, usually through some kind of blunder on the trail. So, <laughs> so you came with one so you didn't have to get one? Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the people that normally do this. Is there a, I know there's a big age range, but is there a typical person that's trying to do, be a, a through hiker and do the whole trail? So the most common, from my experience and the reading that I did uh, prior to going, was that it is a young person's trail. So usually that college-age individual may be at the end of their college uh, uh, prior to their grad or just after their graduation, or maybe they need um, a year off. So come spring, early spring, they decide to uh, hit the trail. And so it's that uh, early to mid-20s that you see most commonly on the trail. But then there's this other significant population which is that uh, hike into retirement uh, population so and that's where I fit <laughs> give people an idea of, of how many people they believe kind of start with the idea they're going to do the whole trail and then how many people actually make it and how far they make it well there is a, a group that keeps track of this uh, Appalachian Trail um, uh, Conservancy I think is what they uh, and you register your hike it's not uh, mandatory that you register it, but they ask you to voluntarily record uh, yourself and, and identify your hike as uh, as a through hike. And it's usually around 3,000 people that start out uh, to through hike in a year. And on a good year, 20% uh, is able to complete uh, their through hike. How many quit in the first 50 months? <laughs> <laughs> they, they say it's roughly 20% that drop out. Uh, at the first opportunity. So at about 50 miles in, the trail goes right through um, a outfitter's uh, doorway. And he also has a hostel there. And it's really your first opportunity to get off the trail. And there's a, a huge oak tree that stands in front of his um, his outfitter's store, whatever the right term is. And there's shoes hanging from this from the limbs of this tree where people that have decided to quit went out and threw their boots up in, up in the tree and thus sealing their decision uh, to go home. <laughs> where is that at? <laughs> it's early in Georgia. Um, do you remember the name uh, of that? Neil's Gap. Neil's Gap. Yeah, Neil's Gap. <laughs> well, is, now you, you don't have to sign in, but many people do. Is there any way they kind of keep track of you and how many people, how do, how do they know that you make it, in other words? There's a couple of places that um, you almost have to uh, sign to get through. There's a, 
a river crossing that they've um, made a canoe as part of the official uh, trail. And prior to getting in the canoe, you, you sign and identify yourself as your trail, trail name. But, and then they'll ferry you across that river. And I believe that's, well, it's in the northern section, maybe, um, maybe in the mid-Atlantic states. I don't recall just which one. But along the way, there's these huts that are available to hikers for no charge in most cases. And they have um, a, uh, a ledger. There's a, there's a, a book, and they ask you to, to sign with uh, your trail name so that they can look for people, somewhat keep track of people uh, if, if necessary. So, You, as you're going along, kind of give us the idea of the pace, and you get into a routine. What's kind of the pace and the routine every day? So starting out in Georgia, I, I did a lot of preparation physically, uh, mentally, and spiritually. Probably a little more than uh, many of my brothers and sisters who came to the trail with the idea I'm going to hike myself into shape. So starting in Georgia, maybe a, a day would, day's hike would be uh, 10 to 12 miles. And it, it, the mileage would increase uh, as you went along. The routine was very similar, but the mileage would keep going up as, uh, as you got stronger, you got your hiking legs, um, you got in a routine, you probably just were a little more efficient. So the average, uh, after I'd been on the trail probably with, within two months, was in that 18 to 22 miles a day. How big of a pack did you have? Generally uh, right around 40 pounds with uh, five days of food. Now my, after uh, maybe a month into the trail, I had to get a larger food bag. Uh, as the appetite had clearly gone up, and my uh, initial food bag could no longer hold five days' worth of food. So some things I sent home as I uh, found that I didn't need, uh, maybe some pieces of clothing, um, a book, uh, things like that, and that made it a little easier to carry a little more food. And I would take food over a book every day. (laughs) What do you do about sleeping at night? I would spent most of my nights at these three-sided shelters and part of the reason for that is that that's where people gather um, and at you you might well hike alone all day long but in the evening people would tend to either gather at those shelters they might camp around them but that then was my opportunity to be with people and to share with them why I was there and to get to know people to just uh, to minister to people there were opportunities as you hiked, but um, at in the evenings is when you had a chance to begin to develop relationships. Well, did you feel like you had good conversations, I suppose, during the hikes? I did. You know, I, I had some great conversations, had some opportunities to pray for people, and saw the Lord just um, uh, touch some people in a way that uh, they were able to continue on hiking. Well, is there a reason people hike i mean the young people might be there because okay i've got them with college i want to but is there some, uh, there's a million reasons people would hike but did you find a reason that came up more than more are people wanting to get away from things they need time to think what why are people on the trail i think people are are searching searching for a little direction searching for a little meaning purpose um looking for something beyond 
what they've uh, experienced at that point, looking for maybe their own dream. So that was also then fertile ground uh, for me to to share some of what um, what I believed. Yeah. What about whenever you got them with those five to six day stretches? How did you get supplies? That was kind of a, a routine in itself too. So this is something that I learned along the way. Um, I got better at uh, preparing, better at uh, planning, but I would look for, um, as I was resupplying today, I would look at my trail guide to see and plan for my next resupply. And when I got to a road section where maybe, uh, or an intercross, a road crossing, sorry, where there was a town maybe five, six miles away, I would hitchhike from there from the trail into town to resupply. Usually, spend a night in a hostel, get um, do my laundry, get a shower, sleep in a bed, and it was a sweet hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next morning, hitch back out to the trail and keep going. And it's pretty common to hitch. Those communities are very familiar with it. They are, yes. Yeah. And there would occasionally be um, people that. Uh, would come to the trail uh, to serve hikers. They would come to uh, and set up their camp, so to speak, at a road crossing. We called them trail angels. They came with food. They came with, uh, with cold drinks. They came with lawn chairs. Sometimes they came with a grill. Sometimes they came with, um, uh, with letters, uh, cards. To At Mother's Day, just a week before Mother's Day, I came across... Um, a family that had cards uh, with with stamps and envelopes so that hikers could write their mom a Mother's Day card and send it home to her. People that were just ministering there uh, to hikers. It was incredible. <laughs> the people that you meet on the trail, for those that are going all the way through, you kind of see them off and on again, is that right? Yeah, you would. Um, people would take a day off here and there, and you um, would tend to cross paths uh, as you went uh, along the trail. It would, you might see somebody a few days in a row, and then you might not see them for a couple of weeks, and then you see them again. So relationships develop over time, and it was, uh, it was uh, a little bit of a family component there uh, after you had 500 or 1,000 miles under your belt <laughs> because you knew not many people were, were still going. So right, right. Well, you, it took you five months. Is that about the average pace? I mean, how fast could somebody do it if they really wanted to? Well, it's five months is a good pace. Uh, people have uh, obviously done it uh, in half of that, and but but hiking very different than I would have been hiking or most through hikers uh, would hike. So the five to six months is a a very reasonable amount of time uh, to complete a through hike and that that would be the norm any parts of the trail more difficult or is it the end because you've been going so long or uh, I've seen Mount Katahdin from a, a distance and I but any parts that were more difficult than others probably the the White Mountains of New Hampshire were the most difficult the most physically challenging uh, People grumbled most about uh, Pennsylvania and the, the, the rocks of Pennsylvania. In fact, the trail name for the state was Rocksylvania. 
Um, Vermont had a trail name called Vermud. So there were challenges uh, along the way that, that, uh, of varying degrees and, uh, and types, but probably New Hampshire the most physically challenging from a hiking perspective. The whole trail beautiful in your mind the whole way or any sections you enjoyed more? Probably Maine was what I found to be the most beautiful state. Many would say New Hampshire because you're above tree line and you have great views. But one of my uh, favorite places on the trail was um, coming out of the Smokies. And we it wasn't green up yet, so it was early spring. And the, as you came out of the Smokies, you know, there's, there's, it's all kind of late winter, early spring, kind of. Your views are, are, um, are, are pretty spectacular. And there was a place, um, a big bald. So there, there were, you, were, you were quite high for the area, but um, no trees. So you had wonderful, wonderful views. I can't remember the name that they <laughs> that they called it. What's it like as you get to Mount Katahdin and, and go up that? I guess you're happy, but are you sad to see it all over, or what's the feeling when you go up Mount Katahdin? The last month, as I would just start to think about uh, finishing, I would find myself getting choked up, and so could only think of it for very brief periods of time. Um, uh, a couple of times as uh, I was in Maine, knowing that the end was uh, was coming quickly, um, I had that lump in my throat that I had to swallow down pretty hard. Uh, my wife came and joined me to, to climb Mount Katahdin, and I was uh, anticipating that being just an incredibly bonding time uh, for the two of us, but found it to be uh, a struggle. Um, <laughs> So it was a, a bittersweet uh, into the trail, and I was able to finish with uh, a fellow hiker that I'd met early in Virginia called Hot Chocolate. So to finish together was nice. So what do you do when you hit to the top? Is it like Forrest Gump and you say, well, I guess I'll go home now? <laughs> <laughs> After you sit and, and celebrate for a little bit, yeah, then it's, uh, it's down from the mountain and what do we do next? So, <laughs> so what do you do next? Well, as I hiked, I thought about that very question. And, and as, a, as a move from uh, my career into employment, I mean into retirement, I thought about how do I want to invest uh, my time? How do I want to use what uh, what's God's given me? And um, how can I minister to people? So that's, uh, I had a short list, and I've been uh, doing some of those very things since I've been home. Does anybody go up and turn around and just go back? Well, yeah, they, uh, they sure do. I met a guy. It doesn't happen too often. Uh, <laughs> and I think they actually have a name. I think they call it a yo-yo. So a um, young man who had just uh, finished a northbound, as I was maybe a week or two from finishing, he was heading south. So he had to uh, walk back to his car. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was the case. <laughs> good, oh. good. Uh, but a favorite moment, if I can share mm-hmm. that on the trail. Um, you know, I had a, a desire, a purpose to, to uh, love on people in, in the name of Jesus, just to, to try to minister to folks. And 
I had opportunity to uh, uh, pray for uh, a lady. She was, uh, I saw this couple ahead of me, and, and it, there was a strange presentation um, about them. And I, as I came closer, I, I, I realized that uh, the, the man was carrying his pack in a normal way, but he was carrying her pack um, backwards. So he was carrying it on his front. And she was just uh, just hobbling uh, along, w- trying to get to the next hut. We were in the, the whites. And she had uh, sprained her knee and was uh, rather tearful and uh, just upset uh, their trip was done. So they were just trying to uh, get to a hut and then get to a road. So... Um, stopped and talked to them and uh, asked them if uh, if I could just pray for them and they were receptive to that um, so I just prayed for uh, the Lord to heal her and to strengthen that knee and to make it right again and no no big fanfare and left and maybe 15 minutes down the the trail I had stopped to filter water and before um, I got my water here they come and not only is she carrying her own pack now but she is walking without a limp and it was just one of those thank you jesus sweet hallelujah moments that uh you knew for whatever the reason uh god had just touched her and that i got to be a a part of of her story Hmm. so were they through hikers i don't think they were through hikers they were just there for a couple of weeks yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. So, and one other special moment when I was down in Virginia, I met some day hikers. They were a couple that had uh, summered or wintered in Florida and were headed back to Saskatchewan, uh, where they lived. And they were just out for a day hike, and we crossed paths, and they they stopped and were were telling me their story, and and they asked me if I was a through hiker. And when I told them I was, they had a lot of questions for me. But we talked a bit, and as we started to leave, they asked me, what's, what's your name? And I told them 14. And I said, well, what's that about? And I told them it's, uh, it's about a love story uh, with a guy called Jesus. And this lady just threw herself into my arms and just began to weep. And her husband... Uh, moved up after a, a momentary shock um, and explained to me that they had been w- walking together talking about, are we really important to God? Do we really matter? And when I explained to her that, uh, um, that I was there as an ambassador of Christ, uh, they decided that I was their sign from God. And it, uh, it made that day's hike awful easy so you could do 40 i could have done 40 yeah those kind of moments were incredible and uh have have just helped me grow in in faith and in dependence upon jesus it's a hike i'd like to make someday myself finding the five months to do it may be a challenge i suppose that's the reason many hikers are either young and haven't started a career or are retired and ending a career I'm also reminded of an interview we did in the very first years of our daily broadcast. We interviewed a young man who took his tuba with him to hike the entire trail. He put on makeshift concerts each evening. I often wonder what happened to him and how he ever hiked that far with a tuba on his back. It's just part of the amazing stories you'll find along that 14-state path. Thanks for joining me on this walk with Bruce up the Appalachian Trail. I hope you'll join us again as we travel the countryside. I'm Andrew McCrae.